reached your destination. Welcome, everybody, to the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. This is episode 28. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson, joining me in the studio, as always. Today, we're going to talk about the special considerations you have to take into account if you're going to grow a garden. And I don't mean an ornamental landscaping, but a functional, productive garden, fruits, vegetables, herbs in your front yard. I came across a question in a homesteading group I'm a member of on uh, social media. And it was intriguing to me. So I thought, I think that would make a really good episode. Before we get rolling, you can follow us on facebook.com slash the red hot chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y, chili prepper. If you want to just search it easily, just go at Utah Prepper. And we do all our lives from Suzanne Sherman's Wasatch Report radio show. Handle for that is at Cowgirl Esquire. Esquire is shortened, is abbreviated. So cowgirl ESQ, that also happens to be my Twitter handle for the rare occasions I ever participate on that playground. Also, if you're not listening live and following us on Anchor FM, please, uh, that's how we monetize the show. So if you're listening live here, do us a favor, play the show on Anchor at some point, and that's how we get monetized. It really helps. Tell your friends, rate the app, rate the show, drive some traffic our way. SuzanneCSherman.com is my website, and you can read my published articles there, as well as blogs that I've done uh, specifically for that page. Those cover both preparedness and some uh, constitutional uh, and historical perspective and some current events. You can also donate and uh, help us out directly on that page. There's a donate button on the homepage. If you just want to acquire some of the reading materials we have on the suggested reading page, go to suggested reading. And I have Amazon affiliate links for really nice assortment of books, both related to uh, proper role of government, the law, as well as preparedness, disaster preparedness. So check that out there. Get what you want. Doesn't cost you anything extra. And it helps us out. Speaking of reading materials, I had a meeting with my uh, partners over in Europe about the Lost Frontier Handbook. And right now it is presently available as an ebook format, but we're looking at about mid-March for the printed copy to come out. So if you have or want to order the ebook now, there's a good chance to get some information on some gardening. If you're planning on some gardening and want some advice, get the ebook now. And then all you have to do is pay for shipping when the printed version comes out. And when the printed version comes out, expect a chapter on chickens. No homestead would be complete without backyard birds. So do check out the Lost Frontier Handbook at thelostfrontierhandbook.com. Learn the ways of the pioneers. It is your ultimate guide to self-reliance. How are you today, Jeff? Glad we could do this. I am doing well, thank you. I always look forward to getting together with you and doing a show, especially if we're talking about prepping. I do too. And I love when people show up and, and hang out with us a little bit. And we always like the, the feedback that we get. So if you are listening, uh, give us a shout, say hi, just type something in the comments section. And it's like I said, it's it encourages us and it, it's just nice to see everybody and to know who's there. So Jeff, a couple of days ago, I saw a query in a group I'm in, Utah Backyard Homesteading. And the question was, I would like to grow vegetables in my front yard, but I'm afraid I'm going to upset my neighbors. Any suggestion? My first suggestion was, let me paraphrase, who cares what the neighbors think? But the problem is, if you grow things, whatever you have in your front yard, unless you have it fully fenced, walled in, gated, and and not secure, you know, you might not be, somebody might vandalize it if they don't like it. Your yard could be subjected, uh, your crop 
could be subjected to uh, theft, vandalism, uh, zoning ordinances, HOAs. These are all things to consider. Uh, and Jeff, you had a really good point when uh, we brought this up. I don't know if you remember what it was, but you said put it in the backyard, right? Well, if that's possible, sure, put it in the backyard. I We always advocate here. It's per, upset per sec. We always are talking about being the gray man. And if you can put some shade on what you're doing, sometimes that's the best. Now, if it's something that all of your neighbors are doing, it's a community type thing, it, you may be able to get away with putting in your front yard. But if that's all you have is a front yard, there may be some steps you need to take just to make sure that you're uh, you're putting some shade on it. You know, the interesting thing, too, is uh, I, I prefer I would prefer having it in the backyard, if at all possible, for that very same reason. You're the gray man in the community. You don't stand out as a prepper, per se. The other thing to consider, again, homeowners associations or other zoning regulations. So one becomes part of a covenant, you know, conditions and covenants when you purchase a piece of property, but the other restriction comes from your local government. And in the state of Florida, we discussed this on a previous show, Jeff, the, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it was Florida. We talked about in a previous show months ago about some zoning things. And then the state of Florida basically took it out of the hands of the local governments and um, preempted them. Which makes some other, you know, we like to talk about you want any regulations coming from as small an entity as possible, meaning as local as possible. And I'm going to address that as well. But the state of Florida, the Florida state legislature actually passed a law that applied to every community that said no community, no municipality could ban vegetable gardens in the front yard. A lot of times these ordinances are justified because they want they, they say the government interest in uniformity of the homes in a neighborhood outweighs the property owner's interest in being able to grow or plant whatever they want. So much for celebrating diversity, right, Jeff? So here's the issue. So Florida said, no, you can't do that. People can grow what they want in their front yards. I don't know now if that applies to CCNR's conditions, covenants, and restrictions when you voluntarily enter into such an agreement when you purchase a home covered by those. Um, we know the, the black robe messiahs have said you can't in, enter into a CCNR where they have any kind of racial restrictions. So how far this goes, we really don't know. But so far, as far as I know, in the state of Florida, you can grow them in your front yard. And when you had just mentioned, Jeff, too, it's better to grow them and grow your vegetables in the backyard. Some people, like I, I had three dogs, and it was really hard to keep the dogs out of there. My front yard when I lived in California was all walled off. And within that area, I got some chain link fence and then fenced off my garden to keep my, my dogs out of there. So you kind of have to work with what you have. Mine wasn't really out in front of the house. It was more on the side. But some people might not like having vegetable gardens. They want people to have rose bushes or something that they find acceptable. And this is the problem because a lot of these tyrants in the local HOAs or in the communities that come up with these ordinances say that their property will decline in value if all the houses don't look alike or people are just willy-nilly growing actually um, things that they can eat in their garden. So I would suggest a couple suggestions. How can you how can you address these issues? Let's start quickly with the issue of the person being concerned about what their neighbors are going to say. If you've lived in a community 
and you have neighbors. Mine are half a mile away, and I love my neighbors. Tall fences good, make good neighbors. Also, distance makes good neighbors. Even if I didn't have distance, I would still get along with mine. Get along with your neighbors. Try and have a harmonious relationship with them and get them interested in what you are doing. Maybe show some interest in their gardening. Oh, hey, I really like how you keep your lawn or, or tell me a little bit about that tree and build a relationship based on that. From there, you can enter into the topic. Hey, you know what? I'm really, do you grow any vegetables at all? Yeah, I do in the back. Hey, you know, my, my backyard really isn't optimal for that sun. I've got a lot of shade trees and, you know, one of us likes them, one of us doesn't. But out here, I've got full sun and everything I need. How would you feel, you know, about doing a garden like this? And, you know, if they're flat out against it, <laughs> you have the opportunity to ignore them. But that, I think, is a way to work with your neighbors. And Jeff, I think it's also a great way to maybe encourage them to do the same. Haven't we talked before about having communities where maybe everybody has a garden in their front yard or a significant amount of people? And then you can grow what everybody has, maybe a forte for growing. So some people can grow tomatoes, do their heirlooms. Some can might not have as much room, but you can grow a dense amount of foods like chili, peppers, jalapenos, all sorts of peppers like that, or uh, herbs, uh, and any kind of thing, carrots, radishes, and then people can combine their efforts. What say you, Jeff? Yeah, I think everyone's probably seen on Facebook this ad for like the quarter acre garden. There is ways to do it. And I think you're right. I think if you just speak to your neighbors, you could probably smooth over a lot of the problems. But sometimes you may not be able to. Sometimes you may just have to put a fence up again and just uh, do whatever you can just to put shade on what you're doing. There's also other opportunities. I mean, you, you may be able to work within your community to have a community garden. There are problems with that. We've discussed those privately you know maybe one day we'll do a show on that but you know if you're unable to do it because of different problems with your neighbors maybe there's a spot in your community that you can get together and do a large uh, garden as a as a group and uh, produce more but you know there's this you have to look for the option uh, your opportunities and you have to try to mitigate your challenges that's really what prepping is all about yeah absolutely phil has a really good comment it's your property unless there is a homeowners association that says you can't do it. You know, when I was looking for property out here in the hinterlands of Utah, I told my real, my real estate agent, I have two requirements. I'd be able to shoot rifles from my property and that there be no HOAs. And they really try to sell this. Well, you know, it's just, no, no, it's not just, it's never, it's just because it's going to go from well, it's just for plowing to maybe what kind of animals you can have, maybe restrictions on backyard birds. So I said, I'm not going to put up with any of that. I've got no zoning issues. So when if you are looking for a piece of property, that is absolutely something that you should consider if you want to have a viable homestead. What kind of neighbors do you have? They might They might not like the sound of chickens. They might not like the sound of the other animals you have or the smell. And a lot of adult animal activity also happens on your front lawn, too, when your uh, animals do what animals will do. So a lot of education for the little ones as well. But getting back to the neighbor, if they really do find this disagreeable, you do run the risk of theft. You run the risk of vandalism. You run the risk of them just being rotten and maybe trying to report you if they feel like it's been 
an issue. So these are things try to smooth over with them. So that's not a big issue. The bottom line is if you already are living where you are and have been for some time, um, you should already have a feel for how your neighbors. We're going to take a quick break for our friends at Anchor FM and then uh, get rolling on some other considerations for having a vegetable garden in your front yard. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. And today we're talking about special considerations of having a vegetable garden in your front lawn. Typically, you see these nice suburban communities with their manicured uh, gardens or front yard landscaping and, and their, you know, rock features, what have you. But rarely do you see people actively growing raised beds, having tomatoes or corn or what have you in their front yard. Why that is, I don't know. To me, producing productive garden with plenty of fruit and ways to sustain yourself, your family and your friends, to me is prettier than rose bushes and uh, other kind of ornamental flowers. Plus, there might come a time when you really do appreciate it. In the first segment, we talked about special considerations if your neighbors disapprove issues, possibly with zoning ordinances. If it's a zoning ordinance, I would ignore it as much as possible. Again, unless you have rotten neighbors that are going to turn you in. Ultimately, if it gets really bad, we have the issue of jury nullification. <laughs> they keep trying to cite you for all this. It's up to people in the community to defend your right to use your property as you see fit. The government and the local ordinances, they have, you know, legislatures have absolutely no moral authority to tell you what you can plant in your yard. Do you remember something Joe Wolverton, our friend, said on our other show, The Wasatch Report, Jeff? He said, it's really interesting if your neighbor, and we're going to put it in the context of, of this discussion here today, if your neighbor tries to tell you, knocks on your door and says, hey, you know what? I really don't like you growing these, these tomatoes in your front yard. Your, your garden looks like crap part of the year when everything's dead before you start planting. Again, it just bugs me. I don't like it. Well, if that was just your neighbor under those circumstances, you could probably tell them to pound sand or like we said, work something out with them. But somehow, when somebody gets into elected office and has a position of ostensible authority over you, okay, no, all right, I can't, I can't grow them here. I guess I'll just have to do it in the back. No, screw that, grow it where you want. Joe Santos, Food Not Lawns is a good group to join. Good to know. And uh, Phil says we are starting a clover lawn this year. Clover can be eaten and enriches the soil. There's some big advantages to having it. It also brings wildlife onto the property. Mm. So you see what you get the produce department inviting the meat department coming in. So it all it all works out there. And yes, absolutely. You know, I, I saw a post also on the um, on the homesteading site about not spraying dandelions. And that to me is a given. And somebody actually said, wow, that really is a tough issue. No, folks, it really isn't. You have to get over this this nonsensical idea that dandelions are unsightly and bad for your lawn. So a lot of reason to have those. You know, the comment we also saw here uh, that Phil mentioned about enriching the soil. There's, I forgot the name of it, but there's actually a show and they've been talking about this town, how agribusiness is absolutely destroying the topsoil. Jeff, we've talked about adding diatomaceous earth to um, our diets as a food supplement because the earth, because of overproduction and agribusiness, corporate farming has really, or industrialized food production has really depleted the soil. So it's like 
10,563 number for a reason why you absolutely want to start being more self-reliant and growing your own food. Phil also says dandelions are a great food and they're amazing for bees. That's awesome. You know, I should say often the first food that's available for them so they can start pollinating. Uh, eat the dandelions. Yep, I've actually heard of that. We've done shows on that on foraging. So try and change your mindset a little bit when it comes to the dandelions. I think also if you tend to the yard as a whole and make it as pleasant looking as possible, meaning the part that isn't functioning or the part that isn't raised beds, keep that well trimmed back. Don't let the grass or weeds get out of control as well. And then also try and make it look nice, make it look appealing to try and maybe get people to think, you know, I would like to do that as as well. What say you, Jeff? We'll be right back to the discussion right after this about Roxanne, the music provider. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, ratpackrecordsamerica.com, and roxanneband.com. Well, this also brings up a big discussion about where you... Uh, live. If you're living in these dense subdivisions, you know, you are really putting yourself at a disadvantage. If you're in a situation where you're talking about, well, I'm grow- I want to grow my front yard, but, you know, this is maybe an opportunity to uh, change locations a little bit. I mean, it, it, uh, unfortunately, it really kind of stinks to say it that way. But if you are in a situation where you cannot produce food that will take you through some tough times. And you know what? There's always tough times. You have, you know, during the winter, we just had Texas had a terrible snowstorm, which now affected food supplies. And now if they had a garden and canned it and put it away, they have plenty of food to get them through this time where this the supply chain is still broken and they're still trying to catch up after that storm. So, you, you know, you may have to examine your location if you're plan is to be somewhat self-reliant you may not be able to have a huge garden where you're you know canning enough live a whole year but you know you can do stuff to get you through hard times and you know that it's it might sound crazy to say you are you telling me to move because i can't grow tomatoes in my front yard no what we're saying is if you find yourself in a community as your values might change from when you originally purchased your property and you decide you want to be more self-reliant, outstanding. That's a reason to consider finding a piece of property where you can be self-reliant. And also a lot of people, this is a, I want to welcome Adam Barnett, a new follower. I found him on the backyard homesteading group here. Garden stocks is a future tool in the kit bag to sell your extra produce from that garden. And he has a alpha or beta website in the works right now. Jeff, I think I sent you that link. Why don't you post it up there? It's not completely ready, but um, we're gonna actually do a show with Adam talking about this in particular. That'll be a really good follow-up show to this one. Cause a lot of people think, well, it's just me. Well, why would I wanna grow all that food? You can preserve it. We've talked about canning, pressure canning, hot water bath canning. You can trade with your neighbors. Get them involved. It's a great goodwill 
you know, commodity, if somebody, especially if your neighbor does you a favor, helps you out, just bring them some nice tomatoes, something like that, or something that you make with them. So, you know, I, I'm just a huge proponent. I think, I think these gardens and community gardens, I prefer where everybody has their own and then they can share and trade with people. Again, some might want to some might be better set up to grow certain types of vegetables or fruits or herbs. And then everybody can say, well, we'll trade with another, you know, we'll trade with you if you have that. Cause I'm not really very good at that one. Uh, Phil says everyone can grow tomatoes on the front porch in a planter. And that's something I tell, I like to call people um, a, a contingency called the high rise homesteaders. I tell people that just because you live in a, an urban area, even a high rise building, you can still homestead. You don't have to have chickens. You don't have to have, you know, other types of livestock, but you can still grow some food in planters. You can also be more frugal. You can repurpose a lot of food rather than throwing it away. So we're tying a lot of this in. The reason I don't like community gardens, Jeff, and I was thinking a little bit of history here, is that didn't work out very well for our forefathers out in New England, I don't like to refer to those damn Yankees as our forefathers, but I digress. <laughs> but the problem yeah. is that <laughs> this is the thing. Everybody was going to share the, the fruits, no pun intended, of their labor from this community garden. Well, what happens when everybody supposedly combines their efforts? Hmm, what sounds familiar from their abilities to there with needs that sound familiar it didn't work people were slacking off why should i work when somebody else is going to do it once these people were granted their property rights and self-ownership of their production and their means of production guess what they started thriving but that's not taught to you in the school systems yeah so they tried to combine their efforts and what happens is then you get some people that say well you know I'm more suited to doing something else because of whatever. And so things just didn't get done. And a bunch of them nearly, they nearly starved to death that winter. If it hadn't been for the indigenous people, they probably, that they wouldn't have survived that winter. You know, there are some downfalls to community gardens. There are circumstances where you can make them work. I mean, it's not a hard and fast rule that they're not going to work, but it, it would probably better be in a community where you have a very small group where you're going to get the work out of this smaller group and not have it so large that you just get people that are just flybys that are waiting for the produce to come by. And that's about it. So there's pros and cons to everything. There's pros and cons to having your front yard garden. That's why we discuss these things. Well, and again, like you said, you also want to be the gray man and not stand out as the prepper in the community that can cause undue attention. And I would think, you know, if we were truly in uh, post-APOC times, that might be an issue. But then again, you're going to have people, you know, hopefully that you're working with to help protect and defend what you need to have to survive. But I think some of the considerations are, again, this brings people together in the community. And the more people that are prepared, especially, again, in within your neighborhood, the less vulnerable you're going to be when we have these types of situations like the people have experienced in Texas with, you know, they had an interruption in the food supply. We're going to take a quick break for our friends over at Anchor FM. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap up the show here. Jeff Johnson and uh, myself, I'm Suzanne Sherman. This is the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. We've been talking about special considerations for having a 
vegetable garden in your front lawn. First of all, we know a lot of people are subject to zoning ordinances, HOAs. Also, you have issues with, you know, there are a lot of rude people that let their dogs do what they also want to do on your front lawn. And that can also impact your, the quality and the safety of consuming food that you grow on your, on your own. So if you have a situation like that, you can always put a small fence up and keep animals and rude neighbors at bay as well. Phil's also mentioning during World War I and II, victory gardens saved millions of lives. I, I don't think we can overstate the importance of people growing their own food. I mean, Jeff, this is just historically it's been proven historically. And we're also seeing what happens when the supply chain gets disrupted. In yeah. Texas, people were waiting, uh, a, a thousand people waiting outside to get into a grocery store. Not only did they have undersupply, too many people needing food at once, but then you had these ridiculous COVID requirements, only a certain amount of people could get in the store at once. So yeah, I just want to address just one little part of this, and I'm, and I totally agree with you, Phil, that the Victory Gardens are great things. The only thing I wanted to just say is you can store the seeds, and that's a, also great information. But try to grow some gardens before you need to grow a garden to survive. So if you're if things you think in the future, and we all look at the future and say, well, you know, things may not be as good as they were in the past, coming up in the next few years. Start a garden this year and grow it. See what works, see what doesn't work. Get some experience doing it. Don't wait until it's life and death. You have to have the garden to survive to start growing it. Do a little trial, trial and error now and find out how to do it. And get some, uh, some neighbors to help to, uh, give you some advice, that some people that may do it all the time. You know what? And if you have a large area of land, See if some neighbors want to get together with you and plant a large garden on maybe if you have an acre to spare, that might be too much for you. Get a few. You know, it's not quite the same as a community garden because you're still in control of it. And that's a good way. But Jeff, I have to just get back to the point you made, how that was an outstanding point. Do this before you need to. I've been doing this at this particular property and climate with all the challenges for, I think, about six years now. And I'm, I'm still learning. I planted some saplings, some fruit trees last fall. We'll see how they are doing also. And again, but learning this before you need it, I would hate to have a collapse or some sort of disruption where I needed to get food. And not only now do I have to wait for my food to ripen before I can harvest and process it and store it, but first I have to learn what grows well here. And this was what I was saying also about processing game and hunting. I started hunting out here when there was no shortage of meat, but I thought, you know what? I really want to learn how to field dress this deer or elk and how to process it myself, how to store it long-term, be it freezing, dehydrating, freeze drying, if you're lucky enough to have one of those pressure canning. You don't want to learn this stuff when you are under duress and under the pressure of a hungry family collapse, you might lose your home, you've got social unrest, it's just not the time to do it. And then it's not going to be fun and people are actually going to um, so give up. So do it now when there's not a lot of pressure. There's always going to be frustration. You're always going to have successes and failures, but learn from your failures. Don't see them as failures, see them as um, learning. One thing I learned, Jeff, from last year, was even with all the sunflowers I had, I had my zucchini too close together, so they weren't adequately pollinated. So I lost a lot of what could have been some really good produce there. 
No, I was just going to say, and I had a garden in last year, and it was a unmitigated disaster because weather played a massive role in what happened here this last summer. It rained maybe three times during the summer. I'm not talking it rained for a day. I'm talking it rained for maybe an hour, three times all summer. And so it made growing nearly impossible. And then what happens is it puts pressure on your wells because we live out in the country and we have wells. And so what happens is as the water table starts to drop, you really then are stuck. You can't water from your well because now you're worried about running a dry well. And then you're really in trouble. Practice now, get stuff set up, and then, you know, Hope for the best because even Mother Nature, uh, Mother Nature will take a toll on what you're trying to do. Yeah, Greg is saying he worries about pollination. Also, he doesn't see bees around his place anymore, and that is a legitimate concern. In fact, we are going to be doing a show on bees. I have a gal that is uh, supposed to come out here in March and put some beehives on the property. This backyard homesteading group has just been a wealth of information and some great resources. She was actually looking for a place to put her hives. And I said, oh, I think I have a place you're going to like. And Phil has some of his own hives for that reason. I don't think there's anything Phil doesn't do. This guy's amazing. For those of you that are wondering, Phil is the one that was on our episode with his goshawk, Fierce. So that was a really cool episode. I think our second most popular one to date. Anyway, again, special considerations if you're looking for property HOAs, look at the zoning restrictions where you are unless you are in Florida, where the state has preempted local decision making in that process. You know, Jeff, I just want to address that really, really quickly. You know, we always advocate that any kind of regulations or laws, if you have to have them at all, should come from as close to you as possible in your community. But you know what? Who are the types of people? that run for these community positions. Your little town council, your mayor, the idiots like we have here in the Summit County Sandinistas think that they can control everything you do. These are the people that are saying, well, we don't want our property values to go down. And that's the problem. They are not concerned at all when it comes to sustenance, to self-reliance, wholesome food choices for your family and your community, disaster preparedness, long-term sustainability and survival skills, not concerned about what we mentioned earlier, the, the degradation of topsoil and the lack of nutrients in the corporate raised foods. So these are all benefits. And this is all stuff that you can tell people going back now to where we started, what you can tell people in your community. If you're interested in doing a garden, maybe just get out there and start doing some work. And when people are talking to you, just raise up the issue. And again, you want it to look nice. I mean, I, okay, I shouldn't say that because my raised beds right now are an absolute train wreck. Half the fences came down and they're covered with snow, but I don't have neighbors. <laughs> so that's, that's, I have that going for me, but I, I hope you found this informative. This was something we'd wanted to get to for a while. And uh, I really enjoyed doing this and seeing everybody. Jeff, did you have anything to say before we close up? Yeah, I was just going to say, if you are listening and there is a subject that relates to prepping uh, preparedness, excuse me, let's just get to right to the point. It's preparedness. It's not so much prepping. That's kind of negative, but preparedness, being ready for whatever happens, storms in the South, uh, earthquakes in California, tornadoes in Oklahoma. I mean, we live in an area where there's stuff happens. So you have to have a preparedness mindset. So if there's something that you particularly want us to talk about, bring it up. We'll, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure, we'll work it into the work it into a show. 
And Greg even says before we go that uh, he he works. He doesn't have time for bees. I think that's a shot across the bow at me, but we still love Greg. But, you know, here's the thing. I don't have I don't have the knowledge when it comes to bees myself, which is why it was so cool that I found somebody that does have a plethora of hives and needs a place to put them as well. And before even I did that, plant flowers that will attract bees. There are a lot of flowers that you can plant that are, are no to low maintenance that the bees absolutely love. Sunflowers, just all types of uh, flowers you can put there. Uh, fruit trees are great things to have in your front yard also because they bloom and they're so beautiful in the springtime. So a lot of options for that. If you have uh, some gardens in your front yard, send us some pictures. And I think we'll maybe I'll make a blog of this and show us your stuff. Everybody, I wanna thank you for joining us today. I'm Suzanne Sherman on behalf of myself and Jeff Johnson. This has been the Red Hot Chili Pepper Podcast. Thank you for listening.